You need winners? Let the sports advisor show you how to make money. General Manager Al DeMarco, a former sports reporter and contributor on Fox Sports, MSNBC, and Comcast Sports TV, brings over 25 years of handicapping experience to the table. Rick Torino, a 25-year handicapping expert, spent over a decade as a college and pro football editor at a national wire service. Together, they are the Sports Advisors, your number one source for winners. Well, guys, if you didn't make a fortune in college football last weekend, don't blame us. Here on the show, with the games that we ran through, the games that we really like, I went 8-2, and two, Rick went 7-3, and three, and Rick, with his premium plays over at thesportsadvisors.com, only a 5-0 and oh sweep Thursday through Monday. Started you with the Chargers and Florida State and Syracuse to wrap up a 3-0 and oh sweep in college football. Then the Giants and Eagles in the NFL. I had a 2-0 and oh sweep in college football last week as well, cashing with Florida State and USC. And Rick, you know as well as I do, you take those weeks and you don't <laughs> take them for granted because this is gambling and everything is cyclical. Well, that's for sure, Alan. We know over the years that uh, we've lost these kind of games, but unfortunately, but fortunately, this week we won that one, especially the Syracuse game, the Chargers game, the Florida State game. They were all uh, games. Uh, even the Giants didn't look that great and somehow pulled the cover. Yeah, so uh, we'll certainly take this week, this past weekend. I mean, the gambling gods, sometimes they do smile upon us. Uh, Listen, guys, we are going to run down a bevy of games here today. And as I always like to tell you, we pick the games in advance. We are recording this show for you on Tuesday night. But Rick and I never discuss who we like in the game. So these games are fresh right out of the oven. And Rick, let's get right to them. Very first game, we're going to turn to the Big Ten. And last week, we were both on Maryland. We both said that Maryland would step up, and this was an easy, winnable game for them at home against SMU. But it didn't exactly turn out that way, as the Terrapins certainly struggled before finally putting away the Mustangs late in that contest. But now, a big step-up game as they go to Ann Arbor to the big house, where they are a 16-and-a-half-point underdog against the Wolverines. Which way are you going in this one? Well, Al, you're absolutely right about Maryland uh, stepping up in class, and this happens to them every year. Get off to a good start. Once they get into that Big Ten schedule, they start to struggle, and now that's where I'm leading. I think they're going to struggle again this week against a very potent Michigan team. Now, let's face it, Michigan hasn't played anyone the first three weeks, Connecticut, Hawaii, and Colorado State. You know, um, so that certainly didn't give them a test over 50 points in, in all three of the games. Um, Maryland gave up 520 yards to SMU last week. We know Michigan's offense, I believe, is a little more potent than the Mustangs. I'm looking for Michigan to continue their dominance over Maryland in the uh, Big Ten opener. Now, Rick T., are you saying Jim Harbaugh (laughs) opened the season with three cupcakes? Now, you're not accusing Jim Harbaugh of taking it easy here. I mean, come on. That was some tough competition just because he outscored those three cupcakes by 166 to 17. But in all seriousness, I think the big news coming out of Ann Arbor is that Jim Harbaugh really didn't want Kate McNamara, who led his team, of course, last year to the Big Ten Championship. Really, I don't think wanted his Uh, team to be quarterbacked by Kate McNamara this season. He really preferred to go with the sophomore J.J. McCartney. 
McCarthy and, as it turned out, with McNamara, who pretty much lost the starting job after they pretty much auditioned for uh, the job by alternating starts. Uh, McNamara suffered a leg injury last week, so now it's McCarthy's job. And listen, this is a guy who's 30 for 34, 473 yards, three touchdowns, and also rushed for 73 yards on seven carries so far. He brings a certain element to that Michigan offense that they have really lacked over, oh my gosh, I can't even think about the most, the last dynamic quarterback they have had. But this is an offense that has been so pedestrian, even with McNamara at quarterback last year. It certainly gives them a little bit of an explosive angle that they have not had in recent memory. Yeah, and you team that up, Al, with uh, the play of Blake Corum, who's, I believe, had five touchdowns week against Connecticut. Again, not that big of a deal. It's Connecticut. But they do, they do have a running game to go along with McCarthy in the passing attack. And you know what, Al, by the way, another reason why I really liked Michigan, Maryland is just 5-17 and 17 and straight up in their last 22 on the road in the Big Ten. This is just typical, just reminds me of a typical Maryland start to the season. Get the non-conference games, win those, and then once we enter conference play by, the, by November, they're struggling to get, a bowl, to, get to that six, number six win for a bowl bid. And that's when they have to beat Rutgers in their final game to make the postseason, as we said last week. (laughs) Hey, listen, the other uh, thing that the other thing you have to be concerned about the Terrapins last week, undisciplined play against an SMU team that they should have really kicked out of their own stadium. Maryland, 15 penalties for 141 yards. And if it wasn't for the fact that the SMU quarterback, Tanner uh, Mordecai, He put the ball up 54 times. He threw for 369 yards and three touchdowns, but two interceptions and a costly fumble. That really gave Maryland life in that game and pretty much sealed the victory for the Terrapins. I agree with you. The only way to play this game is lay the 16 and a half points. Sometimes the line looks too big, but you cannot be scared by that number. Michigan isn't scared of Maryland. We should not be scared of laying the 16 right, and a half right, points right. in this one. There was, there was one of the other uh, notes of this past weekend, our success. We, str- we sweated that game out as well. The SMU-Maryland game, we sweated that as far as getting the cover in that game. So, But we'll take it. But it was just another one that the, the gambling gods were smiling on us. And God bless them all. <laughs> Listen, the next game, who would have guessed that – Kansas would be 3-0, and but I expected big things from Kansas this year. Now, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, they're going to win 10 games, but I expected a big turnaround from Kansas, and the Jayhawks have certainly delivered. This is a team that is, uh, you know, off to its first 3-0 and start since 2009, but the way they won at Houston last week, down 14 nothing early and then 28 straight points and got the job done coming off the win at West Virginia 55-42 and then winning 48-30 at Houston what shocks me about this game against Duke is how this number Kansas yesterday in fact and again we're recording this on Tuesday night yesterday Kansas was 8 8 and a half this number has now dropped to 7 and a half I realize this is a battle of two 3-0 and teams, but there is no comparison between the Kansas 3-0 and and a Duke 3-0 and when considering the Blue Devils beat up Temple, 30 to nothing, big deal. They did win at Northwestern 31-23, but 
Last week they beat North Carolina A T A and T uh, forty nine to twenty. Again, big deal. Yeah, totally agree with you on that, Al. And if you even look further into that Northwestern team that did beat Nebraska, they lost to Southern Illinois last week. So that just goes to show you that Northwestern might not have be as cracked up as they are after that win over Nebraska in week one. But yes, I am on board with you with Kansas. Really love the quarterback, Jalen Daniels. Typical uh, dual threat quarterback. He was the one that put the, uh, that uh, got the big win for him last year in Texas. I was a little skeptical of the nine points in the beginning, but they want to they want to knock it down to seven. I'll I'll still jump on Kansas. Uh, yes, I like Kansas in that game. A lot of weapons, a lot of ground game on the road, and revenge for the Jayhawks who lost last year. Duke did cover the game last year, laying sixteen in Durham, fifty two thirty three. But uh, I like Kansas this weekend. Listen, when I saw the first number on Sunday with Kansas nine. I, I like the Jayhawks at nine. It's so seeing it at seven, seven and a half, I'm all with you with KU. And Jalen Daniels, what a game he had against Houston. 14 for 23, hit 11 different receivers. You talk about ball distribution. Had 158 yards passing, three touchdowns. Had 123 yards rushing with two more touchdowns. That was just in the Houston game. And in that game, Kansas, of their 438 total yards, 280 of them came on the ground. Kansas, a doormat, not just in the Big 12, but a doormat in college football for, oh my gosh, pretty much two decades. Back-to-back road game wins, first time since 2007. And they have been so efficient, especially on third downs this season, 24 for 35. I love them in this spot, and I'm in agreement with you. you got to lay the points with KU. I just want to say before we jump to our next game, remember, you can get my best bet, the best bet of Rick T, and all the handicappers at the site at thesportsadvisors.com by using the one-day free all-access trial. It's totally free. If you go to the site, you'll see it's a $99 purchase if you were to pay for it, and you are getting at least 10 handicappers picks. If you were to buy them separately, it would cost you well over $1,000. No strings attached, no salesman. We do it and we've been doing it for well over 15 years now because it's the best way to give you an example and a sample of what we do. You get all our analysis and a taste of what we can bring to the table and to make you a winner. And the best thing of all, You pick the day. If you want our picks on Saturday, if you want them on Sunday, you want them on Monday night, it's your choice. So check out the one-day free all-access pass over at thesportsadvisors.com. Rick, we talked about SMU. Uh, The Mustangs off to a two-and-one start now are hosting TCU, the Horned Frogs, coming off a bye week. They opened up with a a two-and-oh start. Uh, They won at Colorado. 38 to 13, and then they played a cupcake. Max Stugan is going to be the quarterback for TCU because Chandler Morris, who started the opener against Colorado, was hurt in that game. Dugan replaced him against Colorado. They didn't really do anything through the air because they averaged 9.2 yards per carry and ran for 275 yards, which tells you why the Buffaloes are 0-3 for Carl Durrell. Dugan, though, however, in their next game against Tarleton State, which is a small, I think, FCS school or no, they're an FBS school in uh, outside of uh, uh, God, they're in North Texas someplace. God help me where. 
But uh, Dugan had a great game, 23 for 29, career high, two, uh, 390 yards and five touchdowns. Does SMU rebound at home, or is TCU simply too much for the Ponies? Well, Al, before I get to that game, I would be remiss. We would both be remiss if, and go to getting back to the Kansas game, if we didn't mention Lance Leipold and the do- job he's done for the Jayhawks as head coach of that program. Got it from Buffalo, came in and just turned that program around. And they're, yeah, they're making chance in Lincoln, Nebraska for Urban Meyer. He's never leaving Fox. Meyer's not leaving Fox. Leipold is the first guy on the top of Trev Albert's list that they should be bringing in for an interview to try and turn that sad Nebraska program around, Al. Um, Today, uh, the SMU-TCU game, Al, not impressed with TCU's overall opponents, Colorado and Tarleton State. Um, I'm going to like SMU at home. Uh, TCU, they do have Dugan, who I like, threw for over 1,600 yards or or 2,000 yards last year and 16 touchdowns. So even though they're playing without Chandler Chandler Morris, I don't think they'll miss a beat um, with Dugan at quarterback. I like the slight lean at home with SMU, and they get a shot at their old coach, Spike Dykes, uh, as he brings the Horned Frogs into Dallas. Oh, see, I'm totally on the other side here. I think that uh, TCU can match SMU in terms of points. Uh, This is a team that defensively, even though they struggled last year mightily, and that's why Gary Patterson's no longer on the job, I believe that they can certainly do better than SMU in terms of putting up somewhat of a defensive stand. And I think that they are a more balanced team offensively in terms of two teams that are going to put plenty of points on the board. Believe me, this total of 70 and a half, and it's moved yep. from 67 up to 70 and a half in the last 36 hours, it may go to 73. Uh, and you still might see it over. I'm totally on the other side because I think TCU is a much more uh, cohesive unit offensively. I actually, although, listen, uh, Chad uh, Chandler Morris was great last year. He that upset when Baylor came into uh, Fort Worth and the Horn Frogs upset them, if you remember. But I really do like the way Max Dugan uh, runs that offense, and I like the fact that Dykes announced uh, today, in fact, uh, and let everybody know that Morris is still out. So it's Dugan. No question is going to be running that offense, and I think that's a plus. So I'm going to go the other side. You know, last week. The only game you and I disagreed with here on the show was the Mississippi State game against Mm -hmm. LSU. I was on the Tigers. You were on uh, Mike Leach's side, and I won. You lost, so who knows? (laughs) We might uh, have a differing of opinions, and we'll see who wins this one as we continue down the board. But you know what, Al? You might be right with the over. I think the over might be uh, is it might be the better play on my end. I do like the over because that I was going to ask you that this could be a game that like attract me back and forth. Yeah. And and the other thing with SMU, you know, they they beat the hell out of North Texas. Okay, big deal. And then they played a nobody, and I I want to say Mercer. But I can't, or Lamar, or I can't remember. It, but it was an FCS team and it was a nobody. And then they go on the road and they played Maryland and you saw the outcome there. And Maryland could have scored a hell of a lot more points if they didn't commit the 15 penalties yeah. for over yeah. 100 yards. I just think TCU is a little more battle tested. True. They went on the road, they played Colorado, and Colorado isn't that good. Colorado at least was a test for them. And now big rivalry. These two schools are about a half hour away from each other. One in Fort Worth, one in Dallas. 
I just like TCU in this spot, but I agree with you. The over is certainly a, a team to consider as well. Uh, Oregon and Washington State. We talked about these teams, or at least Oregon last week. You know, two weeks ago, you had a big play on BYU against Baylor. And then last week here on the show, we said this was a prime letdown situation for BYU going to Eugene, and we saw what happened. Oregon just came out and blasted them to smithereens. But now we have Oregon perhaps, in the ultimate letdown situation, going on the road, taking on a Washington State team that is off to a 3-0 and start, and the Cougars and Pullman are six-and-a-half-point underdog. And we remember the last time Oregon went on the road between the Hedges and Athens. Didn't quite work out so well for the Ducks. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's see, Al. The uh, home crowd plays such an important role in some of these contests. Uh, it did in BYU in Provo. That crowd was 63,000 strong for BYU against Baylor two weeks ago. They then, Oregon now gets um, BYU in Autzen. I think BYU was a little let down. That game way late. It was a physical game against Baylor, but that crowd was just crazy in Autzen. One of the things I like to look at, Al, when handicapping, I'm looking at a home team getting points in a conference game. This sets up perfectly that a team that is, uh, you know, is off to a good start. And certainly that's the case with Washington State. Very, very impressed with their win at Wisconsin as they held Wisconsin several times within the, within the red zone from not scoring. Um, I like Washington State in this game, getting the six and a half at home. I think they'll be crazy in Pullman and that place will be packed. Um, Washington State six one and one against the spread in the last set in the last seven or last eight against Oregon. I, I you know I'm not predicting an out an, an, an outright victory, but I, I think they'll keep the number close. I, I like uh, Washington State Saturday. Okay, before I give you my pick on this game, let me play devil's advocate for you. First of all, Washington State fans didn't exactly show up. Granted, they were playing Colorado State, a bad team. They beat Colorado State 38-7. to But after coming off that big upset of Wisconsin, about 24,000 fans showed up for this past Saturday's game. Naturally, Pac-10 opener you, or, or Pac-12 opener, you got to think that the crowd support will hopefully be there. The other thing is I look at Washington State and I go, okay, other than Wisconsin, who did they play? They beat Idaho at home, 24 to 17, Eh, you know, in Colorado State, maybe one of the worst teams in uh, FBS ball this season. Oregon certainly looked impressive. Bo Nix, damn good game. Accounted, I think, for five touchdowns, 13 for 18, 222 yards and two touchdowns through the air. And the ground game for Oregon really came a a live 212 yards, 4.8 yards per carry against BYU, a BYU run defense that totally shut down Baylor's ground game. And that was an impressive fact in Provo the week before. The other thing that worries me a little bit about Washington State, their quarterback, Cam Ward, 292 yards, four touchdowns, right? Last year, he was a transfer. Remember, he came from Incarnate Word, Word, The guy threw the ball 590 times last year, 65% completions, 4,600 yards, 47 touchdowns. Against Colorado State and Idaho, seven touchdowns. And the only step-up game he's had at Wisconsin, a couple of interceptions, 200 yards. This is a huge game for him. Can he deliver in this spot? Because everything's going to be riding on him. 
Well, I think you're absolutely right, Al. The uh, Washington State offense goes through Ward. But I, 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 your comments about the home crowd, right on spot. Even Coach Dykert, I heard him in a post-game co- press conference saying about he expects the stands to be filled with the home opener and Oregon coming to town. I just have a feel. I think six and a half is a little, a little too much for an Oregon team that uh, we saw what happened to them to Georgia. But no way am I saying that Washington State is on Georgia's level. Not the case. Um, I just think the the, the Pac-10 is kind of equal, and I think the Washington State will keep it close. Now that I put you through the ringer, let me just say I also happen to agree with you. Not one of my favorite <laughs> games on the board. Not one of my favorite <laughs> games. But I do believe Washington State, if you're going to play the game, you take the six and a half. And I would personally buy the half point up to seven in this spot and go with Washington State. Because I think uh, playing at home and having that confidence and that momentum certainly helps. And I do think this is a obvious letdown situation, as I noted earlier with Oregon. And I think this could be a three or four point game. And frankly, I've never been a Bo Nix fan. I think this is a guy, especially on the road, has never delivered when from his days in Auburn. And now just because he went across the coast of the Pacific Northwest, I don't think anything's changed here. He had a great game last week against BYU. How many great games has this guy had in his career? Sorry, but that's just the truth. So on we go to the next game. Before I do, just remember, guys, if you uh, happen to be watching this on YouTube, you can always listen to us on the podcast and download it online and listen at your, well, whenever the hell you want to. It's available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, (laughs) on Spotify. So check it out both uh, the college football show and the NFL show that I do with Steve Budin. Uh, This show, of course, is available each and every Wednesday, and the NFL show is available on Thursdays. Next up, uh, Clemson, minus seven at Wake Forest. Let's just say the Tigers haven't exactly looked impressive getting off to that 3-0 start. Well, Al, you're absolutely right again. The uh, Tigers have not, but Al, I am very disappointed with Wake Forest. I watched a lot of that game last week against Liberty, and they were lucky to win. 21 yards rushing. They, uh, uh, Liberty had a chance. They, they scored a touchdown late, came within a point. Hugh Freeze went for two. They tried the old Philly special. It did not work out for Wake, and, and that's the way the Wake, Wake pulled it out. This has been a series dominated by Clemson over the years. I mean, totally dominated. Uh, their, their, their numbers are just uh, 69, 17, and 1 straight up, and, they're, and uh, they are 7 and 6 against the spread. But I just think Clemson is going to be too much for Wake and disappointed in Sam Hartman last week as well. Uh, he was their only offense, but overthrew many passes, and Liberty should have won the game. Liberty really should have won that game last week. Yeah, but don't you think playing devil's advocate again, because I love playing this role, but don't you think Wake Forest was in a classic look-ahead situation? Yeah, I agree with that. I did think about that as well, Al. Um, But I just think the dominance by Clemson over the years will continue again on Saturday night. Great ground game led by Will Shipley, who leads the uh, ACC in scoring. Um, I just think at this point, Wake just showed me nothing, and you're right. We know how these teams look ahead. These players look ahead. And, of course, Liberty, eh, what's Liberty? But Liberty certainly gave them a game, and they really had to take notice to Liberty. And, and sure, they probably were looking ahead to Clemson, but I, I, I like Clemson. Not a lot, but I like Clemson uh, to go into Winston-Salem and, and take care of business. In the hundreds of years that I've been doing this, I've said this thousands of times, 
I'm only embellishing about the first part, not the latter part. Listen, in college football and college basketball, the two biggest factors that affect handicapping and gambling, the letdown and the look ahead. And I think that clearly is what influenced Wake Forest last week. Clemson, your ACC opener or Liberty? Eh, what do you think? Uh, I will say this about uh, Clemson. Last week in the uh, game for Clemson, it was another sluggish performance against Louisiana Tech. They won that game 48-20. to You see that final score and you go, oh, hey, Dabo, they really had that offense going. However, they were only up 13-6 to after the first half. In Clemson's defense, I will say they were missing two starting defensive linemen. They were missing two starters in the secondary. They had another starter in the secondary go down with an injury during the course of that game. I cannot tell you at this point, because Dabo did not call me before the show, and I'm really kind of pissed off about it, to be honest (laughs) with you. He did not call me and give me an update on the injury situation. We're doing this Tuesday night again. So that is critical, especially those injuries in the secondary. Clemson's secondary is one of the best in the business. But if they are not at full strength, and I realize you know, Dabo can just go to the cupboard and just say, hey, I'll take another five-star and just plug them into the secondary, but experience counts. And if you do not have your secondary in force against Sam Hartman, a guy who has, uh, you know, set the Demon Deacons career passing yardage record with over 9,700 yards, and all in all, you know, did throw for 325 yards and three touchdowns in the win against Liberty, you are going to be in pro- uh, have problems. That's why I lean on taking Wake Forest, but a lot of other people lean on Wake Forest direction too because this line has gone from eight, seven and a half down to seven as we're doing this recording, and it would not surprise me to see it continue to go in Wake Forest's direction, and I fully expect it to go down to six and a half at least by kickoff. So I'm with uh, going a polar opposite here, and I'm going to go with Wake Forest in this spot for the ACC opener for both teams. Right. I, I you know, Alec, Clemson, the Wake selection is not a bad selection. It's just what scares me about Wake is I guess I just have that game in my mind from Saturday night against Liberty um, and the 21 yards rushing. I mean, Clemson's defense, the offense might be a little shaky right now, but the defense is very strong. I mean, if they're gonna, if they can't run on Clemson and they're just gonna they're just gonna sit back and wait for Hartman to throw. And Hartman is a good quarterback, one of the best in the ACC. But I, I just worry about if they can't run the ball, they're gonna have their hands full. I th- I think Saturday night. This next one is a very interesting game. I'm dying to get your opinion on this. Again, we never discuss which side we like prior to picking the matchups we're going to actually feature here on the show. Baylor. Two-and-a-half-point underdog at Iowa. Baylor's only loss, of course, coming at BYU. It was a revenge-fueled game and victory for the Cougars. Iowa State, a 3-0 start. The only known opponent, the only big name, well, that was the big game uh, where they won in quintuple revenge against Iowa. Which way are you going in this one, Rick? Uh, this is a tough one to call. I'll tell you what. The last three meetings have been decided by a total of 11 points. These games are usually close when Iowa State and Baylor play. Um, I, I give a slight lean to Iowa State at home. I like the quarterback, Deckers, um, 20, 268 yards last week, three touchdowns. Granted, it was against, uh, granted it was against uh, Ohio out of the MAC. Um, they had 233. They held Ohio to only 24 yards rushing. Um, they'll have a bigger task at hand with Baylor, 
Uh, but this this will be a test for both squads because Baylor came off a lopsided win as well over Texas State last week. Uh, slight lean to Iowa State in a clo- in another close game. You know, I look at Iowa State and I go, okay, you beat Iowa, but does that really count? <laughs> I mean, otherwise, <laughs> you, you know, 10-7, you won at Iowa. Okay, it was an arch rival, but you beat Ohio and your other win was against Southeast Missouri State. So I go... Who has Matt Campbell's team really played? Granted, Baylor has, as you said, beat Texas State and nobody, and but they did go to BYU, and they did go into double overtime before losing that game. I like Baylor plus the two and a half points, and of course, if that line stays the same, I'm buying up to three. If any, that line is anywhere between two and a half and four, I'm always buying up on the underdog, up the half point in this spot, so I don't lose in case Iowa State wins by a field goal. Worst case scenario, I'd be walking away with a push for pennies on the dollar. What I liked about Baylor, at least in that uh, win last week, and again, they beat Texas State at home 42-7, is that they turned to Richard Reese at running back, a true freshman, and he produced 19 carries, 156 yards. Again, it was against an overmatched uh, foe, but I thought they got some more balance and more production from the ground game, and they need that. They could not run the ball effectively at all in Provo, I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I look at the total of 46 points, and I'm going, really? Only if they play four overtimes. Uh, I I just like Baylor. It's not a a game that I'm particularly enthralled with, but there's a reason. You know, you look back at Iowa State, and you go, this team has not gone 4-0 to start the season since 2000. Matt Campbell hasn't even started 3-0 in forever, so – yeah, I'm just just a hunch, and you don't bet hunches that much, I can tell you. But my hunch is <laughs> Baylor, and I would go the other way and oppose you here. Now, without even talking to you, this next game, I have a feeling you're in love with Minnesota, minus two and a half at Michigan State. We were both against Michigan State last week. We talked about how difficult it was going to be for Mel Tucker's team to go across the country, go to the Pacific Northwest, uh, take on Washington, and we saw the results. Washington just jumped out to a huge lead in that game. And even though the final score looked close, it was not a close game. 39-28 was the final score. But Washington was up 29-8 at halftime, and it was a blowout. And it was a concerning blowout because I don't think the Spartan faithful ever saw it coming. We did, but they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Al Michigan State was finally exposed last week. That I tell you what, though, the line is just Minnesota two-point favorite in East Lansing. One thing we did not look back and see, when was the last time Minnesota was favored in East Lansing, let alone favored on the road in the Big Ten? I, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't – not a fan of Michigan State. I think they really overpaid Mel Tucker, but that's besides the point. <laughs> He, he, can, he can claim that Peach Bowl victory last year, but they were playing against Pitt's third-string quarterback last year. If, if Pickett was there, Pitt would have ended up winning the game. I just uh, – not a Michigan State fan. I, I really like uh, Minnesota's quarterback, Tanner Morgan. Uh, he, he's going to have a big day. And then they're strong on the ground, which is always a count. The kid got hurt last year in the first game against Ohio State. Mo Ibrahim, 202 rushing yards last week, three touchdowns. Now, of course, we got to say – uh, Minnesota's first three opponents are combined 0 and 9. So that tells you, you know. Um, but 
I, I just I don't have faith in faith in Michigan State. I'm just very surprised that Minnesota is a two point favorite in East Lansing. So even though I'm surprised, I'm going to again another slight lean toward Minnesota on the road. I, you know, I don't know. If Vegas is telling us something. Everybody jump on Michigan State at home, but uh, I don't know. Plus the Minnesota, you know, they do pretty well. Ten and three against the spread versus uh, Michigan State. Six two and one. Uh, the last nine on the road against uh, or against the Eastern Division of the Big Ten. Yeah, Minnesota, you're right. Uh, they beat New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado at home by a 149 to 17 score. This is their first visit to East Lansing since 2013. I, you know, I, I look at what happened to Michigan State, and I can see how they got themselves in so much trouble last week at Washington because this is a team that has to be able to run the ball. It was the key to success last year when they had Kenneth Walker III. This year, they've got the Killer Bees, Jarek Broussard and Jalen Berger, two transfers from Colorado and Wisconsin, respectively. But when they got down early last week, they couldn't run the ball anymore. I mean, their game plan went right out the window. So those two guys only combined for 30 yards on 17 carries. Instead, suddenly Peyton Thorne, who has been inconsistent this year, especially throwing the ball high, well, he had his best game. But you're not going to win when you're asking Peyton Thorne to throw the ball 42 times. Now, he completed 30 passes for 323 yards and three touchdowns. But that is not the recipe for success for Michigan State. The other thing is Michigan State's defense was exposed badly in that game. They came in with a nation best, national best, 12 sacks. But against the Washington offensive line, they had some injury concerns. I think they only got one sack in that game. Defense allowed 503 yards. Now, Tanner Morgan is no Michael Penix. He doesn't have the mobility and the athleticism. So, you know, Penix ripped them for 396 yards and four touchdowns. But I'm like you. What's Minnesota doing as a road favorite? And sometimes you have to ask yourself, it's an overreaction, you know, because is Michigan State that bad suddenly? Everybody was in love with Michigan State until eight days ago, nine days ago. I, I And these are games that I just say, stay away. That little voice in the shoulder sometimes whispering in your ear, you have to listen to it when you look at that. And it's not necessarily Vegas telling you something. It's that voice telling you, this doesn't look right. Minnesota, two and a half point favorite. Now listen, the Golden Gophers might win this game by 17 points, but God bless them. There's 172 other games on Saturday's board. Those are the games I'm going to focus on because I've always said, you know, your, your best chances to win, I always look for games that are flying under the radar. The games where the odds makers are concentrating on the least, that's where I want to concentrate the most. This is not one of those games. Reminder, uh, you won't find Minnesota or Michigan, probably Michigan State from either of us, but if you want our best bets for Saturday, Sunday, you pick the day, check out the one-day free all-access pass at thesportsadvisors.com. It's free to you. You pick the day. It's a $99 value if you go to the site, but you get it for free. You get my plays, Rick's plays, all the plays of all the handicappers, absolutely free. No strings attached, no obligation, no salesman. We do it because, well, 
I do it because I run the site and I created the sites and I've been doing it for over 15 years. So I can do whatever the hell I want. But you get to take advantage of it because you get all the place for free. You get a sample, a taste of what we do, all of our analysis, and hopefully we make you money. So check it out. The one day free all access pass at the sportsadvisors.com. And, you know, really, when I think about it, we should just never talk about games for the Big Ten. We should just talk about all the games in the SEC. Just make this like the SED, SEC showdown show and just skip the Big Ten. There's there's nothing good to talk about the Big Ten. Okay, let's see. I pissed off everybody in Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio. Yeah, I'm good now. Okay, let's talk about a really Al, good game. Al don't, Al, don't Al, don't tell Penn State fans about that last week, going down into Auburn and putting a thumping on the Tigers. <laughs> hey, but I told everybody here on the show, I love Penn State. I love, listen, last Saturday, I'm sitting here and I'm I'm trying to pick out my best bet, the game that I was going to release to my clients. And I'm sitting there going, Penn State, USC, Penn State, USC. And I've been on USC every single week this season. So I opted for Penn State. And I think that game started at 930 Eastern time, of course, uh, or for USC. And Penn State, of course, was a 330 kickoff. Penn State kicks Auburn's ass. And, you know, the worst thing to have is buyer's remorse because now Penn State is in the bank, but I want, I didn't have Penn State. And I'm sitting there, my game doesn't kick off for another four hours. And then I've got to watch the game be played out. So when Lincoln Riley did me a favor and USC jumped out to like the 21-7 lead in the second quarter, I'm going, oh, thank God. I'm on the Trojans and this is going to be an easy win because if USC had lost, and Penn State was already in the oh. bank with an easy win. It was my fra- favorite free uh-huh. play on the show last week. Yeah, it would have it would have pissed me off. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this is a situation when I look back at Florida, I wonder how the hell did Utah beat Florida in week number one? And we both had Utah on that game. And you talk about how overreaction – and perception versus reality come into play. Uh, in that Utah game, Anthony Richardson, oh, my God, he's going to rejuvenate the Florida program. It's the best quarterback they've had since, I don't know who, uh, Kyle Trask, you know, uh, the most mobile quarterback they've had since Tim Tebow. And he's a potential Heisman. I actually read this. He's a potential Heisman candidate. Oh, really? Well, Anthony Richardson is the reason they all, well, they had a horrible game against Kentucky, and he played horribly against South Florida. The last two games combined, 24 for 53, 255 yards, four interceptions, and the guy who's Mr. Mobility, 13 carries, 28 yards. And this is not an indictment of just Anthony Richardson, but it just shows you Billy Napier came in and he took over a Florida program and he has a major rebuild, but everybody thought that he was going to go from zero to 100 that quickly after upsetting Utah. But this is not a very talented Florida team. Alan, the one thing you forgot to mention about Richardson, who was anointed the leading Heisman Trophy candidate after week one, I totally agree with you. That's what everybody was saying. He's only thrown one touchdown pass in the first three games. A game, that, and like you said, they could be 0-3, a game they should have lost last week to South Florida. South Florida was in field goal range to tie it up. They uh, muffed the snap or something. I just know they had a chance. And the kid, the kid, kid sailed the kick wide right. But prior to that, they over they they made a bad snap to the quarterback, would back them up even more. 
South Florida was in that game the whole time. Uh, 286 yards rushing for South Florida. And this is a very, very down South Florida team that hasn't been good in the last couple of years. Now, how many times are they going to be singing Rocky Top in Knoxville on Saturday? Uh, it's my, it's anybody's guess. This is a series that has been dominated by Florida. 16 of the last 17 they've won. Seven of the last eight in Knoxville. I'm throwing that out, Al. I, the 11 points scare me, and I know that's keep going that direction. It's keep going up. I really like Tennessee on Saturday. That I think Tennessee has got too much weapons. Uh, they didn't like Billy Napier's comments, which he made. This is just an ordinary game. So he just infuriated the infuriated the volunteer faithful more. And to make matters worse, game days in town to be in Knoxville, and this is the first time in a while that game that Knoxville has been able to host game uh, game day which is a sign of things to come that this program with a statement victory on Saturday is back where, where they want to be. Yeah. First time game day is there in six years. Listen, this has been a one-sided series as a one-sided series can possibly be. Volunteers have one win in this series since 2004, which speaks volumes to how poorly the volunteers have been coached over the years and the disparity between the talent levels between these two programs as well. I agree with you 100%. I am not, however, worried about the line. You know, there are certain games in college. Let's just talk about this year. Uh, you look at Oregon against BYU. You look at BYU against Baylor. Just two little examples where teams are primed. They are up. They are ready for revenge. And this is Tennessee's time. This is the game they have had circled. They got by Pittsburgh. They needed overtime, but they got that job done. That was another one of those games. This has everything aligned for Tennessee, and you are catching Florida at just the right time because this is not a good team. The only thing that makes this bad in one particular sense is because Florida got whooped at home by Kentucky, because Florida struggled so much against fast Florida, there's not as much line value. If they had played well in either one of those games, this line would be six and a half, seven. Tennessee would still be favored, but it doesn't matter. If you believe in Tennessee, you know that this is a game that Tennessee is not, because of the way they play offensively, is not going to take its foot off the gas right, pedal. Right. Tennessee is not going to want to win this game by seven. They're going to want to win this game by 70. I'm embellishing, of course, but for all those years of frustration, they want to win big. So you lay the points or you stay away from the game. There's only, that's the only way you play this game. So yeah, 10 and a half, go for it. Uh, by the way, you know, a lot of people look at this total at 62 and a half. I don't think this game even comes close to that. I think this is an under because I question, even though Tennessee's defense is pathetic, I don't see Florida putting a lot of points on the board in this particular game. I don't know how you feel about that or if you've considered the total in this game. I agree, Al. The total uh, should be an underplay. I don't know how Florida is going to score because Anthony Richardson has not faced an environment like he's going to face in Knoxville. So that crowd, and even though the defense isn't very good, that crowd is going to be behind them 100%. It's, it's just going to be a, a big test for Florida that I don't see them passing. Uh, another SEC game. Uh, we were both on Texas A&M. As a matter of fact, Last week against Miami of Florida, we talked about it in the show that we thought that Jimbo Fisher should make the switch and go to Max Johnson, uh, the former LSU quarterback, and bench uh, Hunter, um, help me, the Texas A&M guy that he 
oh, that he benched. King. Uh, King. Yes. Uh, and uh, about uh, a day after we shot the show, that's exactly, Jimbo called us and said, hey, I agree with you guys. I'm going to turn to Max Johnson. I think it was a good suggestion. And we said, hey, Jimbo, we're trying to save you and that $95 million you make and just throw us a couple of dollars. And I don't know. Did Jimbo send you a check? I, I got nothing from him. I, I want an ingrate. I haven't piece. seen it I, yet. Just, uh, just, haven't that's seen the it type yet. of guy he is. That's yeah. the type of guy he is, and I'm I'm pissed off about that too. Okay, <laughs> listen, uh, <laughs> Max Johnson did not have a great game. I mean, 140 no. yards, 10 for 20, but he was an efficient game manager. But Texas A&M's defense played damn well against Miami of Florida. Or was Miami of Florida so pathetic offensively that it made the Aggies look good? I I watched the game, and I really think the latter is the case. Because I mentioned last week, Miami of Florida really struggled at home the previous week against Southern Miss. And I think that somewhere between those two, the Texas A&M was really bad and Miami of Florida was even worse. That's where the truth lies. However, Arkansas, off to a 3-0 start, another team that I think got caught looking ahead. Bobby Petrino returned to Little Rock or to Fayetteville, came in with his Missouri State's team, was leading for three quarters before Arkansas woke up and finally put away uh, Missouri State 38-27, to off to a 3-0 start, having previously been in South Carolina and Cincinnati. But boy, two-and-a-half-point underdog, a tough, tough game, not one that I even have much interest in, to be honest with you. Yeah, kind of feel the same way, Al. Uh, felt, like you had mentioned earlier, typical look-ahead game for Arkansas. Uh, coming off their AC, their SEC opener, then playing Missouri State, and you you knew Petrino was going to have them uh, his team up for that game against Arkansas. Um, as a matter of fact, they trailed 17-0, the Razorbacks did in that game, before they came back and won, I believe, with a 21-point fourth quarter to beat uh, Missouri State. Um, not impressed with Miami or Texas A&M last week. Was down on like the Tyler Van Dyke, Miami's quarterback was a was a twenty one of forty one through forty one times for only two hundred and seventeen yards. They only had nine points. I don't think they played a very good game. So I don't know if that really gave us any idea of how te- what we can expect from Texas A&M. If we have a slight lead, a slight way to go, I'm going to go Arkansas on Saturday. Um, A&M had won nine straight in this series. Elite, uh, the, the besides last year, and I think Arkansas is going to make it two in a row. I like the quarterback, Stevenson. I think uh, Arkansas is going to get it done. Uh, one thing that you have to be a little concerned about Arkansas defensively, they lead the nation in sacks, but they're last in terms of passing yards allowed, which tells you how bad their secondary is. However, Texas A&M has shown you absolutely nothing in terms of being able to throw the ball this season, so I don't think that matters. But I also like Arkansas in terms of their offense. Listen, I'm a big K.J. Jefferson fan. The guy this season is completing almost 71% of his passes, six touchdowns, 770 yards in three games. And you know what a big guy he is in terms of running the ball, 169 yards, rushing three touchdowns. But where the offense has gotten so much better this year for Arkansas is Raheem Rocket Sanders. Uh, 117 yards in the season opener against Cincinnati, 156 yards against South Carolina, 167 yards against Missouri State because they needed him to play most of that game. 6.7 yards per carry. In years past, Arkansas has always had a number of backs kind of sharing the load. This year, 
He's become the number one guy, and he's averaging, like I said, almost seven yards a carry. Uh, if I had to play the game, I would grab the points with Arkansas. I'd feel a little better if I was getting a couple more because I know how tough it is to play in College Station and Kyle Field. So tough game, but listen, uh, there's a lot of tough games on Saturday, but this is just another one of them. So yeah. like you, I would lean a little bit towards Arkansas. Last game on the board, USC at Oregon State. The Trojans, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, you know I've taken the Trojans every single week. And talk about money in the bank. They blew up Rice 66-14. to They won a Stanford 41-28, a game that was not nearly as close as the final score indicated. I used them as my best bet over at the sportsadvisors.com last Saturday. They took care of business against Fresno State 45-17. to Now they're back on the road once again. Second pack. 12 road game, taking on Oregon State, uh, a team that uh, is 3-0, all non-conference games, beat Boise 34-17, won at Fresno State on a last-second play, which was crazy. We talked about that game last week, 35-32, and then uh, took on the Little Sisters of the Poor. I've now pissed off everybody in Montana, (laughs) 68-28. Rick, uh, are you a USC believer, or are you going to go with the Beavers and Corral? Cavallis. Al, I would, uh, this would be something that would set up my, uh, what I had mentioned earlier, one of the ways I like to go, a pretty decent team, getting points at home uh, in a conference game. But after watching USC last week, I I caught a lot of them last week. Very impressed. Um, This has been a series dominated by the Trojans, 63, 12, and four straight up against the Beavers. Last year, uh, Oregon State came into the Coliseum Destroyed, destroyed USC, 322 yards rushing, rolled up 45 points on them. However, the tables are definitely turning Saturday night in Corvallis. Really like USC. Um, this number seven in the country, and they're they're moving up. Um, they both the the uh, one barometer. They both played Fresno State. People thought, and that that line was bet down. I think it opened up like 14. The last one I saw was 11, and that game was never even close. That game was never close where Oregon State, despite we're on the road against Fresno State, struggled. I think USC, they're loaded. They are good. They're good. And you have been on them from week one. Um, I just, last week they caught my eye. I was glad I got to see them, and I'm very impressed with the Trojans. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't understand the price of this game. I mean, okay, Oregon State's 3-0, and but who the hell have they played? Uh, they jumped out. They took advantage of four turnovers in the first half to jump out to the 24-0 lead against Boise State. Boise State, so disjointed in that game they pulled their starting quarterback so that game was over the fresno state game they should have lost if not for that wacky ending where they scored well both teams they scored three touchdowns in the final minute and 55 seconds in that game with uh oregon state scoring two of them otherwise fresno should have won that game and they played montana at least granted they played rice but you saw when USC went to Stanford. They dominated that game. You saw what USC did last week against Fresno. Not true. Fresno State's quarterback got hurt late in the first half of that game. But Fresno was already down and out. They were down 21-7. And to start the second half, the first three drives for USC, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. They just have so many weapons. Uh, The transfer portal has just – 
blessed Lincoln Riley, and we knew they would. But I, I look at the line, and I, I guess people are just waiting for the bubble to collapse. I've said repeatedly that USC's defense leaves a lot to be desired. They are living on turnovers, uh, creating points. Their pass rush isn't that good. Uh, their rush defense, run defense isn't that good. But my God, when you have that much offensive weaponry and you can outscore everybody, I'm sorry. You know, give me Williams of USC or Nolan of Oregon State. Yeah, I'm going to go with yeah. USC. You know, so I like I like USC again in this spot. And here's something else to consider. I look at USC, and if you're too scared to go with USC straight up, this is the perfect team to tease with somebody. They're not uh -huh. going to lose the game. So in a two-team, seven-point teaser, I mean, you could put USC with Kansas taking the Jayhawks down to basically a one-point favorite at home against Duke. You could take uh, Tennessee's 10 and a half points. They're going to go to 11 probably against Florida. Do you think Tennessee's not going to win by four or more at home against Florida? Uh, a couple of games we didn't talk about. Um, Oklahoma is a 13 and a half points. Called a 14 point favorite at home against Kansas State. Kansas State last week lost. I, I don't even know how that happened. And you saw what Oklahoma did against Nebraska. Is Oklahoma not going to win by at least a touchdown or more against Kansas State this week? Or uh, Utah is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite at Arizona State. They just got rid of Herm Edwards, and Arizona State sucks, and Utah's on a roll. So, you know, those are just four teams off the top of my head. I think you could put in a two-team teaser, and I think USC and any of those teams, any bucket you want, and you could tease them in this spot. Yeah, I just don't think Al Oregon State is the offense. If, if SC gets up by a, a touchdown or a two touchdowns, I don't know how they're going to score. They don't have the playmakers that Southern Cal has. You know, Southern Cal's rolled up total offense of over 500 yards in each of their first three games. Uh, other than the game in Corvallis, and Oregon State would have to get every break in the game, I think, to stay close. I just can't see them going point. Even though SC's defense is, you know, is a little isn't the greatest. I just uh, still don't see Oregon State, uh, is, you know, scoring points with S with SC. Uh, you know, it's, you know, maybe a Corvallis known for rain. Maybe they'll get a lot of rain up there. I don't know. That would be the only way that would slow or uh, slow uh, the Trojans down. The other thing, I just want to throw something out to you. The other thing with USC, now a lot of these guys, you know, they came from Oklahoma. They followed Lincoln Riley out to Southern California. But a lot of these guys that came in from the portal, it's almost like um, they're discovering how good they can be. Um, it reminds me of the Vince Young Texas team. It reminds me of, uh, well, that's the best example actually I can come up with, that these guys, they're just realizing their potential. And each week, it's kind of a learning experience. And it's kind of like, wow, we can be that explosive. We can be that good in this system. And I'm talking about the offense. And it's almost like, wow, this week, uh, you know, you saw the running back. Uh, you've seen how Travis died, the former Oregon Duck, um, how he's come on the last couple of weeks. It's like, wow, we can run the ball, too. Um, you've seen how Mario Williams, ex-Oklahoma uh, guy, um, it's not just Jordan Addison, who may be the best wide receiver in all of football, but came over from Pitt. The weapons that are there, and they're realizing that they can expand the arsenal. 
Yeah, I agree, Alan, especially the point that you made about the running backs. Both of them last week, Dye and his counterpart, also had a uh, – both went over 100 yards rushing. So if they get a running game to go with that passing game, they're going to be tough to stop. Now, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Al. Maybe we see a Pac-12 team in the Final Four this year. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I think USC is definitely on the inside track. But you're right, uh, Washington, Washington State, Oregon. But I think Utah is really probably the second best team in the conference. Forget about that loss. That it was just an anomaly against uh, Florida. I think the Utes will definitely be there at the end. Well, listen, that'll do it for this week's show. Again, the one-day free trial, all access pass over at thesportsadvisors.com. The only way you lose if you don't take advantage of that offer to get our plays free, you pick the day. And as usual, you can always check out our podcasts. The show I do here with Rick is always available on Wednesdays. The NFL preview show I do with Steve Budin is always available on Thursdays, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Make sure you uh, start downloading them on a weekly basis and listen at your leisure. For Rick Torino, I am Al DeMarco, and we will catch you next week as this college football season continues with thesportsadvisors.com.